Welcome to episode six of Full Disclosure. Jono Burns, how you doing? Oh, the boys are back. Good to be back, George. Very excited. Episode seven, is it? Episode six. You're six. one ahead. Always one, one ahead. ahead of you. Always just ahead of. Full disclosure, everyone. We had a we had a, a real shitty afternoon, George and I. Where hopefully it's the last time that I put his patience to the absolute test. But we're we're back on. I, I did get some some equipment. Yeah, I, right thought, now we're yeah. averaging about. Equal time setting up to recording, which is a little bit unfortunate. We're probably doing about an hour and a half on average. No, it's probably not quite that bad. It's just a workflow issue. Um, and I like to What's think we're making mean? progress, but there's not much evidence of that, really, of making progress at this stage. It feels like we might be, but it, uh, one can only hope. George, um, what are you up to? Like, how is you've only a few more nights left with the, in the dog sit, is that right? We're, we're, we're wrapping this up on Sunday. And exciting news, it looks like I'm coming to Sydney. So we'll be able to do, we won't have to do a Melbourne, Sydney one. We can do it from the same state. And do you have much to move when I'm, is it a big move? Can I help? Uh, well, there's not much involved. I'm paying some removalists. So it oh, be. you're doing the removalists now. Well, I was always going to do that for the stuff from, from the storage center that's in. It's just easier. And will we be picking up Tony? Um, I thought I'd set up the house entirely before I pick up Tony. So if that did okay. happen, it would happen on the end of the weekend, I guess. Okay, yeah. I'll still be there. That's good. But yeah, things are pretty pretty quiet here. I'm getting quite used to the dogs and they're getting quite used to me and uh, we're doing regular walks and it's um it's going well. They're all they're all splayed around me at my feet as oh, we nice. speak. And yeah. um I think they're getting quite attached. It's, that's yeah, that's a I guess a problem. Not very Buddhist. Thing. Not very Buddhist of them. No, not very Buddhist of them, but you know, I'm I'm fine. But uh, the the that's the <laughs> I don't th- care. <laughs> I don't care about anything. I feel nothing. Uh, the thing with that's the thing with pet sitting. One could argue it's a bit confusing for the animals in terms of them forming some sort of attachment. Um, the actual owners or the, the the little kids of the parents who own the small dog came over, and the small dog pretty much ignored them and, and sort of splayed itself on my lap. And they were like, "Wow, you know, we've gone from chocolates to bored lollies here very quickly." It's you know, it's that quite, sounds like something you'd say. I've never heard anyone else say chocolates to boiled lollies. No, well, that's what they were thinking. You know, thinking, but they were <laughs> thinking our stocks have fall, fallen quite heavily yeah. here. And, yeah. uh, Slater and Gordon shouldn't have invested. Out of sight, out of mind. And, uh, you know, I think it can be a bit confusing for animals. I've got a... Um, well, that's why I'm worried about Tony Parker. Have you, have you checked in on him? No. I, mean, uh, oh, I don't, don't want to confuse spoken, him. Don't want to confuse Have you spoken him. to Andre? No, I haven't spoken to Andre. No. Oh, geez, Andre will be okay. fine. It'd be fun. Check, yeah. check in on him tomorrow. Check in on him tomorrow. Get, get on the motorbike. No, Have you got your, your, your car that. back? No, I don't think I'll do that. What? I think it's, I'll check on him when we pick him up and, and take him. It'll be that simple. I don't want to confuse, confuse them. It man. won't confuse him. It'll actually just keep him there. If, he, if you're not there for ages, he's just going to run away. Yeah, we'll see. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, we will see. We will see. But a good way to, to make it a bit better of a chance for him to survive or like to, you know, is, is to check in on him. 
Yeah, look, I mean, I think your, your, your uh, concerns for guilt. Tony are admirable, but not particularly yeah. interesting to the majority of people. Speaking of attachment syndrome, I think you've got an unhealthy attachment to him. I think you need to let it go. All right, all right. Well, I hope, I hope he hasn't run away. Well, I'm just give, sure. just give fine. Andre a call. Just give Andre a call. I don't have his number. Do you have his number? Shit. <laughs> I don't have his number. I don't have his Facebook, I really. Like. Huh. So, well, do you so. want an update on what's going on in Melbourne? Yeah, what's going on in Melbourne? The Melbourne-Sydney thing? Well, the comedy festival's on. How's it going? Which, it's going well. I, I was very lucky through um, Declan. He, uh, he's got a lot of connections in the comedy world. A big shout out to The Sweetest Plum, one of our uh, friend pods. Yeah, our, he, our partner uh, podcast. Partner podcast. Uh, we're just going to piggyback in on their success. Hopefully they'll... Um, but uh, yeah, caught up with Matt O'Kine, who's uh, Great. said he'll be our first guest. Great. Um, and Deco took me to six shows in a row, which was pretty sweet. Whoa. Like six shows in two days. So I had a, a real immersion into comedy and the highlight was definitely a clown show about a woman that lays an egg every morning. She lays an egg and then she has to decide whether or not she's going to raise the egg or eat the egg. And there's a hot plate on stage and she cracks it on the hot plate while crying and then puts it on a plate and then eats the egg while crying and then gets really tired and a bit angry while she's cleaning that she goes, Mama's, Mama's tired. And then she cl- goes to sleep again and then wakes up and does the same thing over and over. And it has a real kind of uh, Sisyphean philosophical kind of uh, look at existence. And it was, it was hilarious, but also quite deep and fantastic. How would you raise the egg? Well, because she, she'll, oh, she, you don't see a chicken hatch, but she draws a face on the egg. And like sends the egg to school and uses an audience member to teach the egg. It's very funny. It was very good. Right, but it's not really raising. Good question, the egg, though. Is it? It's not raising the egg. It's just putting a picture on it, pretending the egg walks around, isn't it? Well, because you can't hatch a chicken out of it. But I think that's what she's getting at. But actually, she's an egg. So you don't know. She, what, do you know what she was getting at? Not entirely. No. <laughs> it was a fucking. So you listen, think mate, it was listen. really deep, but you're not exactly sure what was deep about it. It's about no. existence or ex- some sort of existential examination of, of, of what it is to be human, one assumes. and it Human or her- not, or to be an egg. But must, she- there's definitely a bit of what comes first, the chicken or the egg going on there too. It was really good, no, but it no, smelled a lot of eggs. There was no why did the chicken cross the road gags at all in, in there at all? No, she didn't do that. She didn't do that. She didn't go there. Did she say she was an existentialist? Oh, she didn't do that either. That's very. There's good. lots. There's lots of egg jokes. The pillies, you yeah. know, all the time. Egg, egg puns. Um, and did she? Did she? Did she sleep? When you say she sleeps, is it, is it like those? Um, what are they called when you were? Um, incubator. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I said it wrong. <laughs> I tried to say a word. I said it wrong. I didn't say it right. <laughs> it was comical. The result. Did, incubator. Did she? Did she? <laughs> Was it like an installation? Did you, was she actually, did she literally sleep there and wake up there or was it just actually a yeah, show? Yeah, well, she slept so. for a little bit. She slept for a little bit. Oh, but she Not doesn't actually long. fall asleep there and literally redo the process. She's acting. Uh, uh, she's acting. acting. Great. Well, it's not as interesting again. Look, it sounds, it sounds decent. And where's that she from? She's really good. She's really good. Uh, from LA and Dr. Brown, who's my favorite clown in the world. Mentor of yours. With. Great mentor He's of yours. Mentor. Big fan of yours. Thinks you could be the next big clown. <laughs> he, he directed it. And he comped me in, which was very nice. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah. It was nice to see him. Did uh, he, he's a great clown. Did he pull you aside and say it's not too late? You can, you can still be the world's greatest clown? No, he didn't. He didn't mention my clown. He did say I did well. He said I did well. Right. He's funny. He's a funny. He, 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 he always, because I've done three courses with him, and he loves saying, because I got a few laughs at the last one, but he loves going, Joe, 
you were so bad. <laughs> he was so bad. But even John will got it. Like, he likes doing that. He nags a bit. Right. Mm. Do you think he genuinely thinks you're quite bad? <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to think not. I like to think like Tim, like that he's, he's just pretending he thinks I'm bad. Does he do it but to I other saw... people as well? Yeah, he does it to everyone. That's, that's, that's the Goulier me- method. Right. That's, yeah, but he's like, he does it a little less full on. So it's getting very clown nerdy, everyone. But uh, yeah, Wait, hold I saw the phone. Another... Does, he have, does he have clown groupies, Dr. Brown? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So there, there is such a thing as clown groupies? He fucks a lot, I reckon. It's just does. people talk about people getting scared of clowns, but there's people that like to have sex with clowns as well. Isn't he's there? a muscly clown with a beard. He's like a hipster clown. He's like a, a, a skater clown, like an LA clown. But uh, I also saw another show, uh, which was well. I don't want to. I, I don't know. Is could we give spoilers in this? Sure, why not? Uh, his name's well, Steen. Sydney audiences aren't going to be, be down there anyway. Um, it might turn up, but his name's Steen Raskopoulos. Do you know? Have you heard of him? I've his dad him, was a yeah. socceroo. Yeah, he's very good, very charismatic. He does kind of like almost impro, they say. Like he, I think it's quite loose, but he does lots of characters. Yep. But it kind of, Deco said, did you feel quite um, agitated towards the end of that? And I was like, uh, no, I didn't actually. But Declan's more sensitive than my, me. He's a cat. And it got really dark at the end. Like it was all about uh, his kind of battles with, with suicidal thoughts. So he really, he really flipped it on everyone. And it was good. It was a really good show. So it had depth. Had depth, that Johnny depth. Moving along, uh, what, el- what else? What else? Well, I saw those... those uh, so oh, well, no, they, they were the ones. I saw six shows, but I'm going to go see lots more as well. Fully, fully six shows. What about you? What's happening in Sydney? Look, it's been relatively quiet since I saw you. There was one development. There's one thing that I've been thinking of quite a lot. It's almost bordering on it's one of your it's an outrage things. And I think it mm-hmm. leads back to your Tony Parker obsession and how uninteresting it is for people that don't share the same attachment. What's been getting my goat a little bit is um, people that think that the way they feel about the a- your, an animal is the way you're going to feel about an animal, which you don't really care about in the slightest. Um, There's an example recently. One of the housemates Georgie lives with has a dog, and this dog did a runner uh, out of the blue, and it's a big dog, puts hair everywhere around the house. They, they stupidly let this person in without meeting the dog first into the house. Ooh, didn't interview the dog. Exactly, it's a big, it's a big dog, and he told them he he, he was very clever. He, he um gave them video footage of the dog before he moved in, and he shot it from quite a high angle, so the dog looked quite small, and they're like, oh, it's so cute. Anyway, I was one of the first ones to see it in the flesh, and I quickly pointed out to the um the housemates it wasn't small, and then much to their astonishment, it wasn't at all. Anyway, moving right along, this is from a, a relationship, a broken relationship. So the dog is staying half at the ex girlfriend's, half with the guy. Suitably conf- confused, as you can imagine. It did What's a runner. What's the breed? What's the uh, breed? I don't know, some weird Doberman cross sort of thing. It's, anyway, okay. it's big. It's big. It doesn't make sense to me. This guy's an English... I don't even think this guy's got his visa in the country. The relationship's broken up. He's got a big dog and he's renting. It doesn't... Seems like a pretty stupid choice from my point of view. Anyway, moving right along. Dogs run away. It's got confused. Ended up crossing over the Anzac Bridge, going all over the place. His solution after it all happened was to text people in the house and say, look, I realize the dog doesn't, isn't used to ever run the house because I actually saw the dog when it ran out and so one of the housemates and we called out to it and it ran further in the opposite direction. It has no interest in us whatsoever. It doesn't trust us because it doesn't like us or hasn't got to uh, form an attachment with us. Anyway, so he's texted everyone after it all happened and said, look, I realize, I realize the dog doesn't know you very well. Um, my idea is that we all go to the park together, have some wine, do that a couple of times, and the dog will start to like you, and you'll feel comfortable with the dog, and we can start moving forward. And and the girls just went, said, listen, mate, 
it's your dog. We don't feel the same way you do about your dog. You sort out your dog. You know, it's, it's, it's your child. It's not our job to look after it and mind it and form a relationship with it. We don't feel the same way about the dog you do. And I, it's, it's amazing to me how many people have animals and they think just because they love their animal that you're going to feel the same way. And it's the same with children, you know, and, and, and Facebook posts <laughs> and things like that. People don't give a fuck about you, you and your child and you and your animal. You might feel that way, but what it's, it's bordering on, I think, psychopathic or sociopathic to assume that everyone's going to feel the same way as you about something they have no attachment to whatsoever. There was a Sex in the City episode just the other day. Georgie was watching it and Samantha points out the same thing to a an annoying child which is yelling in a restaurant and this kid throws food all over and she storms out. And it reminds me of the animal scenario. I just don't, I find it flabbergasting. I find it absolutely befuddling to me <laughs> that uh, people would in any way assume that anyone would give a shit about the animal to the same extent they do. And then they're genuinely surprised when people uh, tell them to fuck off. Well, no one told him to fuck off. No, but essentially how in, old, in how as old many is this words. English guy? Oh, Sounds like a bit of a- 31. That reminds me of when I went, uh, was going to house sit and went just to look at the room, just just to like sublet someone's room, mm. and they they wanted to call me back because they didn't the couple the hippie couple didn't feel that they'd met me enough, and and the guy was like, oh, really sorry, John, do you mind coming back in? They just want to have a cup of chai with you. They just didn't feel that they connected with you enough. I was like, later. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is that, but it's also, and even Chris Honnery is having the same, uh, our dear friend who's a, the, the Nauru lawyer, is having the same issue in Melbourne. They've got this um, uh, hairdresser living within Fitzroy, and her little yappy dog is pissing on the floor and walking around, and she's like, oh, the dog just needs to get to know you guys better, and, and once we, we do, we need to you know do some things to help you get to form a relationship with it. And like, no, you just control your fucking animal. You know, He's upset control- that she's, she's running a hair salon outside his room on the weekends. <laughs> He's not happy with that either. No, yeah, yeah, but that, I mean that aside, I think it, it is. It's very. I find it really confusing that people don't genuinely assume that you're going to feel the same way about their animal or or child <laughs> as they do. Though your catchphrase is your catchphrase in life is I don't feel anything. Isn't that, isn't that your, <laughs> but why? Your why would you assume? Why would you? Feel, why would you think that? I don't feel nothing. Well, what's what's what's? How can your brain be wired? I mean, or lacking wiring? I, if you might like a film, it doesn't because mean you love like, that animal so much you want you want everyone else to but, love you. No, but okay, if you like a film, it doesn't mean I'm going to like the film. You can't assume that everyone's going to like a film that you like. I mean, they look at niche podcasts. You want to talk about niches or niches. Um, you don't expect everyone to like your shitty little niche of a podcast, whether it's about making cakes, whether it's about fisting gerbils. You can't expect everyone <laughs> to like what you're into. And it's to me, it's absolutely well, especially if you don't like the gerbil yourself. If you're not even valuing the gerbil, how yeah, can but you? Don't, that's a bad. Don't you find example. that utterly confusing that people just assume that you would like that that, that you, you're going to like what they like? Uh, yeah, it's silly. Well, it's, it's assumptions. Uh, what is it's, to assume makes an ass of both of us. That's an assumption, and assumptions about. Yeah, but I think more than that, it kind of shows an inc- incredible amount of. Doesn't it make make you very self absorbed? Like like you think the world genuinely doesn't revolves. Doesn't make you a psychopath. Doesn't make you a psychopath. I think there's some some element, there's something wrong with you mentally if you don't understand that another human being will more than likely like something in a different way to you or respond to something in a different way to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, don't feel, I don't feel as strong about that as you do at this, this point, but, but I, like, I like your yeah, fervor. Yeah, well, it really annoys me, as you can tell. So that's, <laughs> really got you going. That's my gripe. gripe. That's my gripe for the week. Gentlemen, George, full disclosure in the raw. 
let's cheer you up and move on to mm. um, the the movie of the week because I, I think this is the way to go. Both of us watching it, and um, yeah, wasn't it wasn't it uh, refreshing to see Mel Gibson in top form in What Women Want? Top form is that is that what you think? Yeah, this will be it'll be interesting. It'll be very David and Margaret because we've <laughs> what, both seen we the same, the same film. <laughs> so just just to refresh our, our listeners' uh, memories, yeah. this is the alpha episode where we promise to look at alpha males uh, throughout throughout Australia. We haven't history. done it all for the first twenty two minutes. Well, no, <laughs> we haven't. It's, it's fine. Um, and you were, you, we were, promi- you were you were at best beta, but potentially omega in your whining there. On, I think uh, I think it was pretty alpha. I mean, tell me, tell people to shut the fuck up about their dogs and kids. It's pretty alpha. <laughs> anyway, so moving right along, we we promised that we'd look at this film, and we both did watch the film for once. And uh, and Jono's opened with a salvo. Wasn't it great to see him <laughs> Mel in fantastic form? Are you being genuine when you say that? Oh, look, I think that that it is a, a reminder of what a movie star Mel Gibson is. That he's that there's not many going around. Uh, with the chops and the, the, the presence of, of Mel Gibson, a middle-aged Mel. Well, I think later than middle-aged, really. I mean, it was the year 2000, but Georgie's comment was he was too old to be playing. So, a quick, a quick plot, everyone. He was 44 he's a... when they made the movie. He looks, he looks about 50, I think. But he's, yeah, he, go he's... ahead. Do you want to do the plot or do you want me to do the plot? No, let's, let's see your synopsis. Okay, he, uh, it's a... Uh... Mel Gibson is a 42-year-old ad man. He's top of, top of the tree. He's uh, loving life. He's putting away women left, right, and center. Very mad man. And then all of a sudden, I was going to get to that, yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, he loses the, the promotion that he thought he'd get to an outsider played by Helen Hunt. It he, he, he makes him very worried. Uh, and then while he's trying on all these uh, female, um, female things that he's going to have to sell... He um, slips into the bathtub with a... Well, anyway, he, he works out through magical means what women want. He begins to hear the thoughts of women. And that's pretty much all you need that's to know. That's all you need to know. It's a bit like Soul Man. The premise is, the premise is good and then it, 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 it lags. The opposite of what, in some ways, what we're thinking about the ultimate alpha male in this film, because it really does start out with the premise of him being the ultimate alpha. They, they say he's a, a lady's, uh, sorry, a man's man is what they call him at the start. You hear from his ex-wife, yeah. And you hear from his ex-wife that's right, with the men, monologued men camera from uh, Lauren Holly played that role. Um, mm. Yeah, you, you find what happens is he assumes that every woman basically wants to have sex with him and he is sleeping with numerous different women and he is the modern-day Don Juan as, as such, very Don Draper-esque, I suppose, in his escapades. Super. Don Draper must be based ha- on him, though, because it's set in an ad agency. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think it's a, that sh- Don Draper was born in a brothel. This guy was born in Vegas to a, a single mother showgirl. Well, we'll get to that. Let's not let, 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 hold, hold up there. But the point is, just going back to what I'm saying, is once he does have the unfortunate mishap where he can hear what women, women want, he finds out quickly that women aren't thinking what he thought. They're mostly thinking he's a tremendous fuckwit, mm-hmm. um, left, right, and center, which um, creates quite a... A huge issue for him um, that he needs to find a way around. But yeah, uh, I, I, going back to what you're saying now, John, it's fascinating that Las Vegas stuff because that's supposed to be the Freudian um, basis for how he has become this character, mm-hmm. which I find quite poorly sketched out. <laughs> Georgie was saying if you grew up around all those women, you think you'd be more inclined to be empathetic towards them. I uh, supposedly. 
being surrounded by these beautiful women in these showgirl outfits and having guys slapping their asses left, right, and center meant that it was understandable that he'd become the rogue that he became uh, and also being fussed over by all those women. But um, my experience personally, when being surrounded by women for much of my life, been having a single mother for a long time and also um, being in the, in the performing arts from a young age, so very female-based, is that if anything, it makes you more understanding towards women and less inclined to roguery i would have thought but not 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 the summation of this film mm. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't you didn't kind of like see kind of similarities between you and the mel gibson character yeah there was yeah there was definitely some similarities, similarities. but um look, looking at mel yeah this is the thing i think the acting style sure he was giving it his all but it was pretty dated i thought his acting style was pretty dated it's interesting when he did signs shortly after this um, MK, I always get this guy's name wrong. I better look at Shamalamalang Ding Dong. M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Anyway, he said to Mel famously, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan said to Mel famously, Your acting sucks. When he did the, when he signs, he said, It's dated, it's too big. You need to pull it back and you need to modernize your acting style, which shocked me all the time. Yeah, in this film, in what we want, there's an acting technique called the internal monologue. Get away monologue. with that. He Alfred Mel. There's an acting technique called the, the internal monologue, um, which is when you're supposed to think things and we can see that. And as a result, you watch it happening on the face. It's, I wouldn't say telegraph, but as an audience member, you can see almost what's going on from the face um, when, when an actor's thinking. Mel Gibson has no belief in that concept whatsoever in this film. He's talking nonstop through every thought process he has, to pretty not to camera, just left, right, and center. He, I've never seen someone um, talking to themselves as consistently as in as, as in this film. He's backing himself, isn't he? Because obviously that's not on the script, so the poor script writer is just copying Matt Mel doing whatever he wants. Yeah, was... but I think it's good to watch. <laughs> it's fun. It's very clear. Because you know exactly what he's thinking at all times, <laughs> but there isn't a lot of uh, subtlety to it at all. Um, but he's just so—he's so watchable because he's—he is a handsome, kind of capable-looking guy. Yes. But he's quite quirky because he's—he's he's neurotic. He's very neurotic. You think he's neurotic in this film? Well, talking to yourself is neurotic. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's laughing at himself. He's like, yeah, no, he's very—he's—that's his vulnerability. It's not—it's an alpha's vulnerability, but still, it's. Yeah, he's very mannered and it's a terrific performance, I think. Uh, look, it had a great cast. It also had Marissa Tomei, who was nominated. Um, she, I didn't realise she was in it. Um, it also featured Bette ben Midler. Ben Midler. As, as the stoner uh, therapist. She writes a joint. Yeah, that was good. She must have There's some memorable later. moments. There's also a moment where uh, Mel Gibson gives a, a pep talk to his penis, which is failing to deliver um, oh, yeah. with Marissa Tomei during a sex scene. Um, uh, and it's good when he he does a Sean Connery impersonation. I like that. Yes, he does a pretty does average an homage to a great alpha. Well, he corrects Sean Connery on his pronunciation uh, mm. in the Hunt for Red October. October when Sean Connery uses the word adversary, 
And Mel Gibson says, surely you mean sure, adversary. Surely you mean adversary, my dear boy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Calls him dear boy. <laughs> and of course, Sean Connery is the guy fam- famous in that Barbara Walters interview yes. for standing up to slapping women. That's right. She said, do, do you stand by that? And he goes, yes, of course. Yes. Sometimes you need to give them a good slap. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, st- definitely not aged well in numerous ways, his ideas. Sean Connery, but he did age well in the film because he kept working non-stop. Helen Hunt, this is, I love, I love seeing the female point of view. Also, we shouldn't forget Alan Alda also features quite heavily. So it's a, it is an all, oh, yeah. all-star cast. Uh, uh, all-star cast? Yeah. Mel Gibson's the only star. What? Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei is fantastic. She's won an Academy Award. She's a fantastic Award. actress. Yeah, but Helen that's Hunt. not an all-star Helen Hunt was cast. the most... Helen Hunt's... She was the most bankable woman in, in Hollywood at that stage. She, but my question is why? I think that was one that got through to the keeper. Twister, she was in. Uh, she was yeah, killing. She's in Twister and as good as it gets. That's it. Well, she was also mad about you. Well, I appreciate that. She was making I, one million dollars per episode doing mad but about. What's you. so good about her? What's so good about her? I think she's very good at naturalism. Mm. She's good at naturalism. Yeah. And I'll also say so this. This is what this is a female insight. Georgie pointed out that she's incredibly styled. Her styling in this film, she still looks great now. Compared to everyone in that film, most of the styling is terrible. Helen Hunt's uh, business outfits in that in that film are fantastic to this day, and her makeup, etc., are still on point, whereas some of the um, turtleneck, uh, turtlenecks and jackets that were being rocked by the dudes in this film are... Not great. Completely Not great. out. Completely out. Well, the guy, the guy, his mate that doesn't get any kind of uh, end to his arc, his kind of sleazy mate, very sleazy character. It's a very, it's a dated in that sense. They, they're just, they're just animals, him and Mel. They're just trying to fuck everything. Yeah, dated, but not. Is it? What about the wedding crashes? I mean, isn't there guys like that? Yeah, what about the all yes. the? No, there are guys like that. It's just not cool anymore. Well, I think the premise was it wasn't cool then. That's what they're trying to say in the film. Mm. These guys are jerks. They were being held up as yeah, the jerks. O- the only good thing Mel does is stop that woman from killing herself. But that's so heavy-handed. That's not the only good the- thing she does. He does. Spoiler alert. What else does he do? What else does he do? Good. Well, he gets Helen Hunt's job back. But he loses her job. Yeah, but at the end, he, he gets her back. That's my point. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair that's enough. The- so, yeah, I give it, I give it uh, two and a half out of five stars. Personally, out of five... Um, at, for its historical reasons, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. This is what I find fascinating about the film. It's it's the highest grossing film with a female director uh, until 2017 with Wonder Woman last year. Um, so it made 374 million against a budget of 70 million. So that's a a very high uh, recoupment. And I was trying to figure out why, and um, it's become very clear to me now. All the girls that I know that are in their late 20s, they've all seen this film. Uh, every single female I've met has seen the film. And I'm trying to find out how. And they've been seeing it with their mothers. And if you look at... There's a, there's a storyline between the daughter and Mel Gibson in this, which is about her going to prom night. There's, there's even some Gwen... Uh, not Gwen Stefani. Uh, Christina Aguilera plays as a, as a montage Big sequence. Soundtrack. Where yeah. this girl's trying on prom... Prom is a really bad montage sequence. Where this girl's trying on different prom dresses. And Mel's just looning, showing different faces as she tries on the outfits. There's a big storyline, which is based on the 15-year-old daughter's angle. And her sleazy yes. boyfriend is trying to have sex with her. Yes. It's very much it, pitched it, it, at um, middle-aged women in their 40s to 50s. Um, or 30s to 50s, I'll say. And then their daughters. It's a mother-daughter film. And, a, and one of my friends pointed out to me that, like Titanic, which is a big mother-daughter 
um, grosser. Mother-daughter combinations have a habit of going back again and again, and they're huge markets. And I think this film, because a lot of the guys I've met over that period haven't seen the film, it's become very clear to me that this is very much pitched. If you look at the stuff like the Sinatra, the crooning, the way the way that um, Mel was uh, pitching his performance, I think it was very much a- a- aimed at a middle-aged female audience and a young female audience. Um, and for the and, and at the cast and crew, don't you think? I think he was yucking it up for the cast and crew. Oh no, I'm talking about demographic and recouping the actual money for the film. I'm talking about purely commercial reasons. But no, yes, but I'm talking about in regards still doing it in, re- in re- regards to crate. who was um, enjoying it. Yeah, there's no doubt that it seemed like, especially during the, 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 the girly clothes sequence, I thought it was very clear that he'd be... I feel like Mel was given free reign. He was at the top of his game. He'd killed it with Braveheart. Uh, I saw him, as I said to you, shortly after he shot this, and he came to um, the Nida Parade, and he'd given them a million dollars to build it on Anzac Parade there. And they, sh- they played that sequence. You might remember the sequence. I think it's quite impressively choreographed. I'd like to know who choreographed it, actually, when he does the hat sequence to Sinatra and his crooning and, 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 and working his way around his very stylish Chicago apartment. It's good. There's not, not a lot of people that can do that. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a shame that he went crazy and, you know, became an anti-Semitic, woman-hating racist. But, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I was drawn to it as a piece now is the fact that, you know, <laughs> what you just mentioned is dramatic fall from grace. In particular, his incredibly sexist um, rant towards his ex-wife, mm. famously saying that I like hope you get raped by a pack full of N-words. Yes. Um, and it and she kept saying, yes, the- what else, Mel? <laughs> what else do you... She was very good. She just recorded him. I t- saw a terrible interview with her and uh, Larry King recently. Okay. Was, yeah, it was where Larry was kind of not was quite sympathetic to Mel. It seemed Larry King's pretty pretty old school. There's a lot of people that are very sympathetic to Mel. Mel's back. You know, this is the thing. What people are pointing out. He's back after Hacksaw Ridge. He's back with this. He's got a film out right now, isn't it? Daddy, Daddy, Daddy's yeah, Day Two. Which, he, which oh. he won the Razzie for. He won the worst actor for. Yeah, well, it, uh, this is the thing. I think he's acting. He, he does a lot of slapstick in What Men Want. He does a lot of talking to himself. It's for want of a better expression, it's kind of theatrical, I think. He's got there's a sort of theatre edge. And that's why I kept thinking of his famous Waiting for Godot with Jeffrey Rush, which he did not, not long out at NIDA. I feel like it hasn't aged well. His, I, think, I think he's brilliant. He's got, I think he's got a lot of um, leading man charisma, no doubt. He, he oozes charisma. But, um, oozes out of every pore. Out of every pore. Like a pussy pimple just... Charismaing out, but, through yeah, I think the grip guy. Yeah, I saw him. Ah, I think his Hamlet was pretty good. Have you seen his Hamlet? I yeah, but not. I didn't watch it intently. I think that was on in the background. I thought, was, I, was I thought that was pretty good. And, and it was very action. It was. I think that was the criticism that it was just too too actiony. He it was like an action movie. He has always had that slightly neurotic edge, though. Even if you look at Lethal Weapon, there's an area. Oh, yeah. There's a, the whiff of neurosis. His Hamlet was very neurotic too. I think he had. Well, Hamlet is neurotic. That's right. But he's co- comedic. He's like that's the thing with in Lethal Weapon. He does a lot of comedy too. Yes, but it's, it's kind of uptight, tense comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, mm. you know, he's I'm crazy, I'm crazy routine, which he's to do in Lethal Weapon. There is definitely the element that he was, you know, close to the edge in terms of his psyche, and it's proven to be correct. We, we've all got lots of Mel Gibson stories about his shenanigans over the years. I've got quite a few about his sexual exploits in particular, which were quite famous and. Um, Will not be repeated on this dis- on this episode. <laughs> we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful with being liable. Uh, my, we've got to be careful with name- naming people. Yes, 
Yes. Yes. If we yes. ever get any <laughs> listeners, we do yes. have to be careful with that. It's something we do <laughs> have we, to look at. What should we move on to now, George? I feel like I'm being a bit bossy. You, you, you rein me in, mate. Uh, no, look, I just think, um, I just think just rounding off with Mel, he is back now. And what's fascinating about it is that he hasn't actually, he's just said, look, I'm back. I'm just, I've done my time in the doghouse. As a Catholic, I've atoned and I've, I've made my peace. And doesn't, it's just a shame that I've been punished so much for one night where I had too many double tequilas in the back of a police car. It's strange. He's never really addressed. He basically said he had a mental breakdown in the back of a police car and that's all there was to it. But there's actually a pretty long history of him being a yeah. bit of a fuckhead. I don't think he's fully back though. I don't think, I mean, you know, he's not back fully in our hearts. Yeah. I think his brand, he's not going to open films. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. And also his age as well. But he's, he's capable of good performances. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. He was quite good in The Beaver. It was a weird movie. It was a really a, weird movie. You were. You had something. What was your. <laughs> you want to tell people about your little beaver story? About <laughs> I don't have a little beaver. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good story, mate. About your little little date to, when you want to try to get a girl to come see Why do you, why do you keep calling it little? That's, that's the thing the old school does. That's quite alpha. Going, eh, you want to tell your little story? What? Tell everyone your little joke. It was with your little, she was st- give me a high five with your little hands. <laughs> you were working on her your for little- a while, weren't you? And, and, uh, <laughs> I just, I just like the, the, the text yeah, message. I did. I went, she, she yes, kiboshed I'll, you. I'll tell you. Okay. I went, I went to, um, I was seeing someone uh, when I was living in Sydney and we'd already been intimate and we were going to go to a, um, a movie. Hold the phone. When you say was- intimate, have you, had, you, had you gone all the way? We'd had, yeah, we'd, we'd gone all the way. Okay. Keep going. And, and uh, she, she, I texted her and I said, these are the films that are on. If you want to go to this film, there's Tree of Life. I can't remember what else was on. There was something else. And The Beaver. I just wrote those three things. And I, I knew very well that Taxi Driver was doing a revival in Newtown. But I just thought that's, that's not a good movie to, to go on a date to. Because it's, you know, Travis Bickle. He goes to the porn place with Sybil Shepherd. It'd just be an awkward movie. But she wrote back, you know what? Taxi Driver's on. Would you like to go to that? And I was like, sweet. Of course I would. And then I stupidly wrote after that i went sweet of course i would and then i wrote i guess i can see the beaver another time <laughs> and then she and as i sent it as i sent it i knew it was like oh that was that was not that was borderline at best and then she sent back so quickly uh just ripped me one and uh what'd you send back not surprisingly did you oh just uh, that better be a joke otherwise i don't think we can be friends and then she came like 20 minutes late to the taxi driver film and the energy was gone and, and we ended up the date. She, she jumped on a bus not long after taxi driver. The damage was done. You never saw her again? Well, I did, unfortunately, because she was, <laughs> she was uh, doing costume design at NIDA while I was doing writing at NIDA. And a lot of, lot of people seemed to think I was a dickhead uh, after that. So, you know, word got around. So, it just shows, I guess the moral of the story is be careful about what terminology you use in relation to film titles when you decide not to go. And full disclosure, when I said, I guess I could see the beaver another time, I wasn't just talking about the film. <laughs> so, she, she got me there. <laughs> I was wrong. It was a bad thing to do. It's pretty hard to resist, though. It's pretty hard to resist. <laughs> it's a gift. I the, guess film, the-, the film title's a gift. <laughs> Um, but I just want to, on the on the on the on the the beaver on Mel Gibson and his apology, yeah, and on white old white dudes having to apologise for being 
politically incorrect. Uh, I think more in this, this case with him, much more than just politically incorrect. Obviously, abusive, um, both uh, f- apparently physically as well. There's a reason. There's a new Facebook video out which I shared with my partner Georgie today, which features John Cleese talking about political correctness and it, how it's being it's causing the end of comedy. That uh-huh. um, he w- won't go to college um, circuits anymore. It sounds very similar. You might sound very similar to someone like Jerry Seinfeld. And he's sort of basing on the idea that if people can't control their emotions, then they will start blaming others for causing them to lose their emotional state. That's his argument. Mm. And to the point where you, get, you can get towards, and he calls it, it's bordering on Orwellian. It's like a 1984 world where people blame their inability to control their emotions on other people around them. I think comedy is still going to survive. But, yeah, I think, you know, people that don't have a sense of humour should allow people that do have a sense of humour to go and watch comedy. And they shouldn't... They, they should be a bit more responsible for being triggered. That's what, And that's exactly what I'm... This is what I'm talking about. So, what he's saying is about people that get triggered are people that can't control their emotional state. On, You're triggering me right now, Dorji. So, uh, yeah, they can't control their emotional state triggering and, me. and therefore they blame others and their content... And then and abuse them for making them lose control emotionally. But there's we're getting more tolerant as a society, so there are kind of things that you think we're getting more getting, tolerant as a, I think we're getting quite the opposite. Uh, no, I think we are. Well, I mean, I think that's what political correctness is: is is kind of redefining these lines where you can't, where where it's it's considered not kosher to, to joke about certain things. Because so it's becoming gone. You know, you know they're, they're, we're valuing those kind of marginalised people more. So we're trying not to make fun of them. Yes, yeah, so what he he said he did he does clarify in the piece that there is going to be a level of insult in a lot of comedy. But Georgie's point is that she'll have much more time for an argument like that when it's not an old white guy saying it, which probably has a certain weight to it as well as a counter argument. Yeah, but he's he is a legend. But yeah, I think he's maybe got some flaws, Cleese. But yeah, there, there's a comedian that I, I no. I mean, the point being, if you're an old white person, you're at the top end of the food chain. If you're an old white man, you're at the top end of the food chain. So it's a lot easier to say, "Don't be offended. It's about you. It's not me." When you've consistently been the person dealing out the insults to those around you who are let are more marginalised and less fortunate. That's the yeah. point. Fair play, fair play. But and do you agree? But with I think that? white old white men should be allowed to do comedy too. But maybe there's less totally. things that they can joke about. Right. So you feel like there should be a little bit of give and take. I guess it's a very complicated topic. It is. It is, and it's. I feel it's very. I feel inten- now. intentions a big thing. If you're spreading hatred in the guise of comedy, totally, then that's pretty shit. But you know, who say? Who's you know? Maybe people should just stop listening to that. But then I guess. Potentially, a lot of other racist people will just go to that comedy and they'll they'll love it. Yeah, deep man. Gentlemen, George. Full disclosure. No holds barred. No holds barred. On the on the subject of alphas, we've moved from Mel Gibson and even John Cleese, who's an unlikely alpha at best. Although you could argue in Faulty Towers, he was the definitive version of an alpha. But moving along, you famously had an encounter with a Taswegian alpha. Do you want to talk us through that? Uh, George, this will be my full disclosure for okay. for the episode. Yeah, it's true. Okay. I My sister was living in Tasmania for 
quite a few years uh, with her husband and I'd visit them semi-regularly and I'd go up, I went up uh, for the uh, Hawthorne game, I think it was Hawthorne, pff, Hawthorne, I think it might have been Hawthorne St Kilda and I went up there and I met one of their friends whose his name was Boogs and we went afterwards to a pub and Boogs is quite a big guy, uh, he's a receding hairline, barely any hair and we, we hit it off, he was, he was definitely a quite a, a blokey bloke but we ended up at the end of the night arm wrestling on a bench uh, in front of a bunch of cheering people and then Boogs looked at me and he goes your shirt's off and, and I, you know, I was just caught up in the moment we both had our shirts off and it's been documented and we had this, this arm wrestle which he easily won but it was a, a good moment and then he invited me to join his whiskey and, and cigar club the next time I came and so I left, left Tasmania with, with a new friend called Boogs. And the next time I went up there, I was excited to see Boogs because I, I had a, a, a real nice picture of him in my head. And we went to a party uh, near Wineglass Bay. Uh, Bex and Pato invited, were invited to this party. And a party in Tasmania is different to a party in Sydney or Melbourne. I think it was, it was basically, I think, 10 people to dinner. And Boogs was there and he was excited to see me. I was excited to see him. But the magic of the Launceston pub uh, was, was gone, it, it seemed, and, and there was really very little there for us to talk about. And we were talking about, um, he was talking about a, um, an episode of A Current Affair he saw about the burqa and, and saying how the burqa's no good. And it was just, it was just smacking of kind of racism, and, and I was a bit disappointed with Boogs. And I said something, um, I made a joke about how would your kid dress up as Batman in Hall Halloween if there was no burqa. Got a little laugh from the other nine, eight, eight people at the party, but... Boogs, his his face just darkened, his brow <laughs> darkened, and I knew I knew it was over between me and Boogs from that moment. And so the party moved from the from dinner when we all moved into the living room where there was a a seventy year old man in the living room. And wait, just stop, uh, I'll stop you there. What was the what was the joke? What was the Batman joke? I just said I think I just said like you know if you if you ban the burqa, how would how would you know little kids dress up as Batman or something like that? Like it's like you know it's. It, it, it limit if you limit people what how much they can cover their face you know how would they rob banks and um and so okay. we it's quite a long, so we, long sort of quite a obtuse sort of <clears> gag <throat> and you got you got laughs with that i got laughs it was the delivery i think might have been the delivery all right uh, continue seven-year-old man victim there's a seven-year-old man asleep asleep in the chair with with his pipe and and there was a, a dog on the neck at his feet asleep as well so we couldn't turn the tv up very loud when we all retired to watch the sunday night episode of um of Underbelly, and it wasn't even the first series of Underbelly. It was the second series, the the Golden Triangle one, and I was disappointed. Golden to see Mile, Golden Mile. How many montages? It was barely any story at all. It was just montages of of uh, a young Ibrahim's just walking down the street. Anyway, we um we watched that, and then I think what was on after that was another show. We watched that. Not much conversation. When uh, Boogs. Uh, stood up from his chair, and I noticed that the the full bottle of red wine that he'd brought from the table with him was was mostly was was vanquished, and and he walked up to me, and he he kind of prodded me, and, and looked up, and I looked up, and I was like, what, "What's going on?" And he goes, "Get up, get up." And I stood up, and he goes, "I'm going to wrestle you," and he started wrestling me on the floor, and and uh, you know, I I think I laugh sometimes when I'm nervous, so I laughed, and I was wrestling him, and he was getting harder and harder. He's wrestling. He's a big guy. And, and finally he pinned me on the ground and then he looked at me and then everyone else is just standing and, and watching on and he looked at me and he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to put my balls on your head. <laughs> like, like, fuck you are. And I started like wrestling really hard back and I was trying with all my, I was, I was pushing away with all my strength and, uh, the old man woke up, the dog peed on the carpet so bad was the, um, 
was the kind of tension in the room and everyone else is still watching on. And I finally, I threw Boogs off me, which was took a lot of strength because he was a lot, lot bigger than me, but I was desperate to keep my forehead uh, pure. And, uh, and, and I kind of like walked, like started walking away and Bex, my sister who was there yelled out, Jono, watch out. And I turned around and Boogs had his pants down and he made one more lunge for me and I pushed him away. And then that night I had to sleep in a bunk bed, uh, with one eye open, just, just worried about Boogs tapping me on the shoulder. And then the next morning when we got up, cause we we're all going to go foot fishing, Boogs was the last one up and we had a, a cooked breakfast and he came in just ashen faced. Didn't say hello to anyone, just nodded at people, didn't go fishing. I didn't get to say goodbye to Boogs that day. Uh, and on the car r- ride back, I I, um, I had a go at my sister and her husband for not, not standing up for me, but they claimed that there was nothing they could... They thought it was a joke, and they claimed there was nothing they can do, but that was my um, my link, my um, my brush with uh, alphaism. And uh, yeah, so it almost left a, a very nasty taste in my mouth. Can you paint a picture of... <laughs> literally, can you paint a picture of exactly a picture of books for me i just want to see him in my mind's eye okay he's probably five foot nine or ten. Oh, that's not very big black hair but stocky as all fuck you know just build of granite and uh very little hair very little black hair a squashed mean face stupid eyes yeah and i've never seen him again thankfully but, but no no mustache no no but it really sucked and i really how old was he? Uh, probably 32. I was probably not 32. that old either. No, old enough to do better. He's, he, I think his fiance wasn't there. He was off the leash that weekend. And, and he just met him randomly at the pub? No, no, he knew Beck and Pado. Like he was in, in their friendship group. From, from what? From Launceston, from, I don't know, from Touch Rugby or something. Sounds like more Hard than to Touch. Make friends. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's my... Uh, that's so they, full they, they, they didn't brief you on, on the way Boogs was in any way or anything like that? No. And they didn't come to my aid when, when he was doing it. <laughs> Pat, Pato's, um, his, his, the way he defended himself was that he, he would just have to kill Boogs if he, if he went for it. And I was like, well, good, you know, do something. So it's not as bad as your um, outward bound experience, but it, it is a similar kind of... Uh, so you almost got teabagged. <laughs> toxic masculinity, yes. Yeah, yeah it's pretty, Arabian it's goggles, some people call it. Yeah, it would have been bad. It would have been humiliating in front of all those people too. So you, you, the the prospect of getting ball, balls on your face gave you this superhuman strength, <laughs> and you threw this guy off who was yeah. double your 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 strength. In, yeah. in, in it seems. Yeah, but he was also Just the pretty sheer the sheer terror of terror. having that scrotum rubbing across your forehead into yeah. your into your eyes, yeah. and the and the penile pit bits rubbing all over you. It was enough to give you that extra boost into a, an Uberman. I was furious. Yeah. I was furious and scared and everything. Yeah, totally. So would, would you say we have a friend called James Pick who's famous for wrestling. Do you think there's some sort of similarity between the two? No, no, no. This, this Boogs, is a, Boogs is a proper alpha. Proper alpha. Well, no, and also the, but not, but alpha. not a big alpha, though. A Napoleon-esque no, 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 alpha, five, alpha. What did I say? 5'10"? That's, 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 yeah, that's, not that's, very that's big. your height, mate. That's, that's, not, that's not short. Mate, I'm six foot. <laughs> you're a Collingwood six footer. You, you'd be, you're a 5'11". We've, we've done this before. I'm 5'11 and a half. I forgot. I'm 108 centimetres. Uh, yeah, but it was, it, was, it was shit, man. It was shit. How's your phone going? Because I think um, apparently you, yeah, there's, there's someone calling in. What? Oh, oh I guess really? Call in the okay. Well, uh, yeah. I guess I'll take the call. Let's yeah. see. Uh, uh, I'm just going to duck out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
hello? Yes, hello. Who, who is this? This is um, who, who is this? Who am I speaking to? Uh, it's Dorji, Dorji Swallow. Dorji Porgy. Hello, this is uh, Vladimir Putin. Oh, Vladimir, how, how are you doing? Very well, little girl. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a girl. I'm a. I'm a dude. No, but you like little girls, don't you, Dorji Porgy? Uh, well, I mean, we I, know. W- w- what are you insinuating? What, what What do you mean, Vladimir? I don't quite follow. Dobry then. So, what's the meaning of the call, Vladimir? Why have you called this number? It's it was kind of out of the blue. Um, forgive me for my asking, but it's a little bit of a surprise. I'm here to drop uh, a little sample of my uh, my new uh, KGB record. I've more, yes. Brilliant. Kotik. It's an album? Spazbio. That's the name of the album, is Spazbio? But you you can ask questions if you want before. Okay. Is this your first foray into music? Have you always been into cutting albums? No, stupid. I do lots of albums many times. What are your favorite, favorite musical acts throughout history? I like uh, musicals. I like Gypsy. I like Cats. I really love Cats. Okay. Well, you're a big Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber fan. It's a very good musical. I like the animal too, you know, they don't give a fuck. And so uh, I assume then this album will be sort of musical numbers? Da. So that means yes, right. And will you be touring, will you be touring the album? Do you have any plans to take it to, uh, to, to Australia, for example? where Germany. Okay. Ukraine. Brilliant. Czechoslovakia. I take to all these places. Wow. So mostly European nations. Is that like a t- tour of Europe? Russian. Russian places. R- okay. Brilliant. Um, well, I guess my next question is, um, why are you calling Australia if, if you're doing a European-only tour? I like your pod. I like your little pod. Oh, thank you. It's very kind of you. Vladimir. Full disclosure. You're yeah. Real idiots. Yeah, we, well, we try to, you know, give a... Stupid little man. I like you. Funny. Thank you. Thank you very much. We try to give a balanced point of view and not um, sort of, you know, head in any direction politically. And I hope you can, you can feel that. We are, we're not so pro-America. We're just sort of pro-the world. Listen, I'm very busy. Should I do this song? Yes, yes, yes. Hit me with the song, Vladimir. Hit hit me with it. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Feel those beats? Can you hear? Yeah. I need more in my cans. Okay? Okay. Da. Da. Yeah. Okay. Ha. Ha. This one goes out to all you bitches. Hillary Clinton. Brick Obama. I fucked your mom. Not just Dorsey's mom, all your moms. I'm a real motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't spell Rasputin without spelling Putin. Tony Abbott, you want a shirt front? I'll rip out your heart, cunt. Fuck all you crumbs. Uh, KGB motherfucker. Yeah, uh. I like you, Mick Fanning. You punch a shark. Come to Kremlin. Be my oligarch. Yeah. We're coming to you, East Berlin. We're coming to you, Ukraine. Spazbikyo. Previet. Debreden. Kochich. Hello, pussycat. Putin. Out. Hey, so yeah. Oh, what did I miss? Uh, yeah, we just had a, a, an amazing uh, impromptu call from Vladimir Putin, I believe. Oh, fuck. It reminds me of... Um, it's a worry. It was brilliant. It's this uh, impromptu <laughs> hip-hop track. It was fantastic. It reminds me of the time that uh, a friend of mine called me with a Luke... Luke um, we'll call him Luke Toria. Can't say his name. Can't say his name. Luke Toria. Say- <laughs> I said. 
Luke Torrio. We've got to stop saying people's names. <laughs> called me with that Russian accent. You know, remember that story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you and you and Sam had sex with those two um, prostitutes. They weren't prostitutes. We, we, went to, <laughs> we went to a... Um, this is very funny. We went to a, a famous establishment in, in Sydney called Can and the Bar. I guess. I, I should, if it was a brothel, you shouldn't give it business, though. <laughs> It's not a problem. <laughs> what's, what's the name of the bar? You know, the one that goes downstairs. What's it called again? It's quite famous. <laughs> a lot of them go downstairs. Yeah, no, the really famous one, you know. Yeah. Um, so, Shady, we went to Shady Pine Saloon. And Shady Pines, I, okay. I, I'm sitting there, sitting there with my, not a brothel, sitting with a good friend, and I, we, I spy these two stunning women, and um, I, I, I mosey on over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mosey on over, and I, I, I dro- drop my standard Russian shtick. I, I bring out. Um, I bring up Chekhov straight away. I bring up Barishnikov, Pushkin, Pushkin, Chekhov, Tchaikovsky. I go through, and you know they're just blown away by the fact they have these interests. And mm-hmm. um, Anna Karenina, you know, I, I just go go through every all, everything I've got up my sleeve, mm. just to dribble a dr- dribble assault. And they're suitably <laughs> engaged. <impressed>. Dribble. <laughs> I'm actually really interested in the blonde, blonde, uh, and and Sam just is he's got less chat than me, so he's with the brunette, and and it turns out halfway through that unfortunately the blonde tells me she's racist and she would never go for me, but I should go for a friend. So we sort of switch sides, and um, I take them back to my house quickly. Things escalate. I end up upstairs. Sam's downstairs. I hear this sort of shaking and 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 stuff downstairs. So Sam's straight into it, and. Um, <laughs> And he knows I, one I, way that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm making out with this girl, and um, she's like, "Oh, I never I never do this. It's Natasha. Natasha is making me so bad." I'm like, "Oh, it's okay." And she's and she's like, "Oh," I was like, "Haha, you're kind of like uh, like Eeyore, like Russian Eeyore." And she's like, how, "How do you know Russian Eeyore?" And I said, "Oh, you know, I've seen it on on um, YouTube. I think it's really funny. It's so existential and, and dark. And, you know, he's thinking about suicide and crying and <laughs> you kind of like her. And she's like, oh my God, you're a nice guy. I went, no. And she goes, I, uh, I should be with bad guy. I, I'm, I can only be with bad guy. You're a nice guy. I went, no, no, I'm not. I'm not a nice guy. She's like, yes, yes, you know about the Russian Eeyore. And then she just starts running downstairs. And I, I'm like, you know, at this stage, I'm already half undressed and I'm, I'm just sort of running after going, no, I, I'm not a nice guy. I'm not a nice guy. <laughs> and she runs out I'm the Jewish. door. I'm Jewish. Did he yell, I'm Jewish. <laughs> anyway, so I go back upstairs and it's still bang going on downstairs. So Sam's having a great time. Next morning... <laughs> I get up, and Sam has left, and uh, the the bar downstairs is a mess. Like, mm-hmm. and I get this call on my phone, and I pick it up, and it's and it's a private number, and all I hear is, "Hello," <laughs> I'm like, "Hello," and she's like, "You had fun with my girls last night," and I was like, "Um, sorry." He goes, "You have good time with my girls last night," and I was like, "What? What? What girls?" And he goes, "You, you and your friend." Now it's time to pay. And I'm like, what, what? What do you mean? And anyway, this very convincing accent tells me that I either have to pay or I need to give up my friend's address because we owe him a lot of money for these prostitutes. He insinuates, and I'm freaking out. He says, "Why won't you give up your friend? Give up your friend!" And I, and I don't. Thankfully, um, it turns out later it was a prank call from a friend from of ours, a mutual someone. friend, Luke yeah. Torrier. And uh, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> Um, but in, and he was funny. having the yeah. best time of his life. He um, and you didn't I, sell out. You didn't sell out your mate. Which I didn't good. rat him out. I didn't rat him That's out. Um, but him I was out. genuinely and pros- scared. And they weren't prostitutes. 
But if they weren't prostitutes, no. and I should and I should clarify when I said when you yelled out, "I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish," <laughs> that doesn't mean Jews are bad. That was a callback to you pretending to be Jewish to sleep with a, a, a Jewish virgin. That's right. That's right. It, just in case you guys haven't heard, because that out of context, that would sound pretty bad. And, and full disclosure, I'm Jewish. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think you've butted up nicely there, mate. Yeah, yeah you're going to be fine. <laughs> so, yes, it, when Vladimir called, it, it brought back uh, memories of that call straight away. And that was an unhappy memory for me because, A, I, um, I didn't reach the goal, um, so to speak, which is to hook up with, well, firstly, the, the girl I liked who turned out not to like anyone that wasn't blonde hair, blue-eyed or white. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I wasn't bad enough for um, the secondary option because I remembered... Russian eel. You know what? It's probably my just desserts because, again, I was just scrambling for any Russian reference I had. And mm. I went, went to the well one too many times and uh, ended up getting a big wet fish in the face um, because, you know, <laughs> that's... Like, like yeah, food poisoning or something. Yeah. yeah. Like the runs. Yeah. It's just one too many times, which is really unfortunate. Uh, Trough but- boy. Trough boy went to the well one too many times. That's right. Came out with a sore tummy, a sore yes, belly. Yes, trough boy. Trough boy is a reference, of course, to the guy likes getting urinated on. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that. I just called you trough boy. No, you knew, you knew exactly what you were doing. At, uh, at Mardi Gras, there was famously a character who used to like to get urinated in, in his mouth uh, by uh, guys every year. Um, and he hasn't been seen for a while. This probably concerns for his health. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening out there, Trough Boy, just just give us a give us a call. Let's know you're alright. Let's know you're alright. Shout out to Trough Boy. It's full disclosure. The Jono and George podcast. Putin's obviously the biggest alpha in the world right now. Well, Trump would probably have a fair fair bit to say about that. But but he's not he's not like people don't actually respect him or aren't as, aren't afraid of him. But in person, he's six foot two. He shakes your hand very, very he's firmly. Old. He stands. He's old. He stands over you. That doesn't make you alpha. You can try and be alpha and not be an alpha. Well, John Hamm famously said that he tried. He he didn't respond to Trump's attempt to out alpha him. He he, mm. he said he saw all the signs. He said Trump tried to stand over him, but John Hamm is six three. 6263. So he just like looked at him face to face and said, I'm not going to let you alpha me. You've seen it. You've seen famous clips of him trying to alpha a president yeah, all over Trudeau. the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's definitely trying. Yeah. You might not see him that way, but I think he probably sees. And then what's well, famous- he's an alpha. I'm just saying he's not as much an alpha as Putin. As Putin. So I, I think will- when they're in the room together, Putin will be, will alpha him. No holds barred. And then I, I guess we, sh- we have to, we can't, I know you feel like you've full disclosed. For the day, but you you do have to. I can't. I can't do it. I can't give any more. You have to I'm, dish up a little bit on. We did promise some 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 Wayne Carey. We did promise. Yeah, but he. Yeah, it was it was an interesting meeting him. He it was when I was living in New York. A mate of mine who was paparazzi, um, was dating. What his girlfriend was this lovely woman from Adelaide, and her dad was a a coach in South Australia. And so, when the Crows went on their end of season trip, this is when. Kerry was a crow. This is post him him getting booted from North Melbourne. Uh, he they needed a tour guide, and I got the job showing around the crows. And it was a pretty tough job because they I, I had great ideas. I wanted to show them around. I understand it more now. Maybe being a bit older, I understand that they they just wanted to sit in a pub and drink the whole time. So a lot of the things I had on the itinerary were 
were, <laughs> were left off. Simon Goodwin was the most responsive to kind of getting a bit of culture, but th the rest of them just sat in a Times Square pub and just drank the whole time. And Carey was incredibly charismatic, very, uh, very eye contacty, interested, like how Shane Warne was and like how I imagine Mel Gibson is. But he did manage to, while he was talking to me, I noticed that his hand slipped onto uh, my friend's leg, the, the, the coach's daughter. And he just, he just had it there for the, the entirety of a conversation in front of her boyfriend. So he kind of just takes what he wants kind of thing. But he was incredibly charming. Uh, he told good stories about uh, bumping into Pikey. Remember Pikey from the, Br the Brisbane Lions? Mm. He, he played with at North Melbourne. And uh, he enjoyed telling me about uh, Pikey, about bumping into him. Um, and I guess as a revenge, my friend, the paparazzi guy, started quizzing him about the Stevens incident. And he asked him three times in a row uh, the same question. And Kerry, to his credit, just kept um, filibustering and, and, and brushing it off. But um, he also travels with his best mate everywhere. This guy who just calls him Duck the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he kind of had, it seems like he had different rules within the group. No one else got to bring a friend on the end of season trip. And unfortunately, Andrew McLeod wasn't on the end of season trip. I was a bit upset about that. But just, yeah, full alpha. Oh, that's one thing that popped into my head on the Andrew McLeod thing today. What, was, what exactly did him and Leighton Hewitt have the big falling out about? I remember they were best mates for a while. And they... I, think, I think it was Hewitt, cultural insensitivity from Hewitt, did a documentary and um, showed... Uh, um, indigenous people that were dead on the documentary and I think uh, McLeod told him don't do it don't do it and, and um, Hewitt did it and there's also um, because Hewitt, didn't McLeod stay with Hewitt when he was going through a divorce as well and mm. so I think maybe McLeod's current partner just doesn't want him hanging hang around with Hewitt or it might have been vice versa but I think it was a bit of a mix of those two things well, so, no, yes, uh, McLeod was going through the divorce and he stayed with Hewitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did McLeod get back together with the same person, though? Yeah, I don't know. I just remember that it was a, it was a weird thing. Cause Hewitt was a romance. A, it was. Well, Hewitt has a habit. I mean, even if you look at Bette Cartwright, he, she was on TV first and he obviously had a fixation with her and, and organized a date with her and the rest is history. And it seems to be a similar thing with McLeod. Like, he was a huge Adelaide Crow supporter. He said if he could do anything, he would have played AFL football when he became friends with one of the biggest, if not the biggest star at the Crows at the time. It's what a gun. Like, it's like he just points to people that he loves on screen and says, I want to be their mate and mm. and tries to make it happen, which is kind of Do you Leighton? Is Leighton an alpha? Oh, is he a latent alpha? No, I don't see. I don't think so. He, 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 does, a, he does a surprising amount of self-deprecation. He, he, play, he plays underdog more than anything else. That's what was famous mm. with his us versus the world type thing. It was like the world was against him and... You know, he was always to come on. Like he was, he was. He saw himself as like all heart. I think when you when you have play yourself as being someone with that amount of heart, he never really, he never really, he knew that he never had the weapons to go with the top dogs. But what he did have was severe, an incredible amount of dedication and an incredible amount of um, drive. Um, is Federer, Federer, the alpha of men's tennis. No, I would have thought a, a more obvious alpha is someone like a Goran Ivanisevic. You know, no, right a, now though, right now, who's right the alpha? now. We would hate well, Hewitt wasn't right now, but if you're talking about right now, that's what uh, I'm talking about. Talking about right now. Okay, 
Uh, there's probably, I don't know, Roddick probably was kind of a little bit... Um, no, no, but I, right now. Roddick's not, not right now. No, I, I wouldn't call Federer... Isn't he the number one? Isn't he the, isn't he the top dog? Who, Federer? Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't... I don't think he's an alpha. He's not, he's not an alpha type. An alpha is a front runner. An alpha oh, is... the dominant person in the room. So yeah, Federer yeah. will be the dominant person in... But, but also in mentally tennis. dominant. Mentally dominant. Tries to mentally dominate you. So, yeah, Federer's yeah. definitely trying to mentally dominate them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see him as... He's definitely not the quintessential alpha. I don't, think, I don't see that. Um, LeBron's I, I, definitely the alpha in the NBA. LeBron, LeBron is, a, is an incredible alpha. He gets, lo- he gets likened to a lion in the jungle, you know, so king of the jungle. They call him King LeBron. Can I do my belligerent burns? Sure. Why don't you take it away with belligerent burns? Shh. If you want to talk in the oh, movie, this is taking shh. too long. Oh, oh, this is on. taking too long. Oh, no. Oh, oh, this is a terrible manners. Terrible manners. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not It's belligerent burns with It's an Outrage. I reckon this guy was a bit of an alpha. I was going for a run at Princess Park, which is where Carlton, the old Carlton football ground is, and I ride my bike down there to, to cut the run, and I was riding my bike to the top of Princess Park when I saw this guy at the ticket machine for his uh, car park get a tray of his two empty coffee cups these, and, and just throw them on the ground. And I thought, look, I don't want to... I don't want to go at him yet because you know he might he might be just putting them on the ground to pay his pay his uh, for his ticket so i doubled back and sure enough he got his ticket out he collected his girlfriend from his mercedes-benz and he left these these uh, empty coffee cups on the ground and i just i didn't i didn't give him two barrels worth because i've had bad experiences before but i did turn around my bike and yelled out pig and then when I was a little bit further away again, I yelled out, fucking pig. But uh, I hate people that just, just fucking just throw their shit on the ground and just think they can get away with it. That's my belligerent burns for the weekend. So this guy's crime was he threw rubbish in the park? And just on the ground, just, just next to the ticket machine. And it was, what was the right? Two it was coffee the t- cups. Two coffee cups? Yeah, in a tray, in like a takeaway tray. Oh, and the reason po- polystyrene type trays? Uh, no, it's all cardboard. But just, so, it's, like, so it's biodegradable. What a fucking pig, though. It's just on the ground. But the reason I didn't say anything is because he did look a little bit scary. And when I, I... I'm a bit of a downhill skier when it comes to confrontation. Like, I do like... You know, I will tell someone off if they throw a cigarette butt on the ground, but not if they've got a neck tat. And um, when I was living with you in Glebe, I remember I went for a run down from your, from, from your old place on St. John's Road and I uh, had my earphones in and a dude um, came out of nowhere. And I was probably in the wrong, but he was going very fast and almost hit me. And he was like, Gil, what the fuck? What's your problem? And I went, fuck you. And he goes, fuck you. And then I uh, gave him a middle finger and, uh, and then went, yeah. <laughs> it got really obnoxious, like, woo, to him and started running and then realized that he was chasing me in his car and he fucking... Like and then he like stopped the car and I was like, Oh fuck, this is fucked, I'm fucked. And and he, he goes, Fucking come on, come on. I was like, get out of the car then, get out of the car. And as soon as he got out of the car, I sprinted so fast <laughs> and I was so scared. So yeah, I just you know, occasionally it backfires my um belligerence. How far did you run? How far did you- I was scared. I just kept running. <laughs> <laughs> did you turn to see if it was following? <laughs> Yeah, well, like for the whole run, like it was just terrible. Yeah, like, was he following you? What did, did he? Did uh, he... No, I don't think he did. I think once he was out of the car, it was going to be too hard to like. And I ducked into. Yeah. So when he said, "Come on, get out of the car," then you weren't. It wasn't a genuine offer, really, was it? No, no, I was kind of pot committed, and I was yeah, I was really scared. 
So belligerent yeah, burns, you, you know, it can get into trouble. I tried to explain that to Georgie and she didn't believe me. She was like, no way, there's no way Don Wong would have a fight, Chano. I said, he does this thing where he's like, he often says, oh, I think I've got the numbers here, George. I think we've got the numbers. <laughs> it was an awful <laughs> noise that I made. I went like, yeah. <laughs> like it was really. Uh, the impression you gave me at the time was this. It was like, woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, woo. And I might have done like a little kind of like, Ben Cousins, like little flip with the, yeah, yeah, the, the little finger. Fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like- yeah, yeah. It, it, it can really drive a man crazy when that happens to them. So, yeah, I've got to be careful. Yeah. And I, look, I will throughout the podcast talk about other times that I've almost been beaten up. It happens. It happens too much. <laughs> Pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of social niceties and, and lack of reading, Georgie's got this theory that I'm a bit of an alien. Um, there's two things <laughs> which she said blew I feel mind. nothing. <laughs> blew her mind this weekend. Um Firstly, I've been complaining a lot about the dog and, and the dogs and um, the amount of fecal matter they're spewing out. Mm-hmm. And I went walking with them. Or shitting out. <laughs> Not spewing it out. It's more, I'm spewing out fecal matter more than, more than they are. Um, but I went walking with Georgie. And as we walked out, I picked up the poo bag, which I, <laughs> I had a poo bag, which I've left. You find um, that word funny, do you, mate? Poo bag. I, I don't know. I had this poo bag, which I'd left sort of hanging on the, on the front fence. And I kept, I just picked it up, kept walking, and we had the four dogs with us. And this lady stops, and she had one little bag, one little poo bag. And she said, "Oh, just checking. Do you guys have any other poo bags? Um, any other bags? Sorry." And I went, "Oh, sorry, no. I just got this one." She goes, "Oh, me too." <laughs> Keeps walking, and I turned to Georgie and I went, "Well, that's weird. She just seems to have one bag for each um, each time they go." And Georgie goes, "Wait a second. Are you saying that bag you've got there is full of shit?" And I was oh. like, "Yeah, yeah." And she goes. What do you mean? Are you even picking Different up baggage. numerous bits of shit with the one bag? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, well, isn't that what you do? And she goes, no, that is not what you do. You yes, scoop you it up with one bag and get rid of it. And so I had Pronto. like... I had is it four- warm when it's coming out? Is it quite warm? <laughs> yeah, it's warm. Yeah. So I had like four dogs worth of shit in this one bag. And That's gross, George. You must be getting disgusting. so much of that on your hands. That's what she was saying. <laughs> but like, I thought it was just being, you know, showing some well, conservation skills. Yeah. You know what I used to do when I was walking dogs? I used to um, use a, a napkin as well so I didn't have to feel <laughs> the heat of the poo through the plastic. So I'd use a napkin. You know, if you ever go again, it's a good one. Cause it's how, just, how, did, how did your delicate nose deal with that situation? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't like it much. I didn't like it. No, I didn't, didn't like it. I much didn't much. like it. No, <laughs> I, didn't, no I didn't like it much. Um, so what are you, this is the whole thing about your dog sitting. Uh, dog walking is an absolute revelation to me. You're you're doing it for as a paid job in New York. I assume, paid job right? in New York. It's a, it's a it's a it's a genuine job in New York because it, none of the dogs live outside, so they've got to be walked during the day. What no sort backyards. of what sort of what sort of pay would you get for that? It was good. I think it was ten dollars a dog. Yeah. And so I was doing ha- two. I, mean, you, I was doing four. How would you find out about it? Uh, a friend, a friend's Bijan, and then just the word got around from her building. <laughs> do you okay, know what I used so to do? I hope you didn't do this. I hope you didn't do this, but I used to sometimes try and get them not to shit. How? That's how bad. How would you get so, them not to shit? Just like, you know, just, just go, don't, don't do it. And would they, would they listen to you? I don't know. Yeah, I guess sometimes. So the, so the second thing that jo- uh, Georgie found bizarre about me is he went to a cafe afterwards to get a coffee. And in this cafe, I, like, I wanted to check this with you. So in this cafe, because I thought it was not in WI, I thought it was pretty standard. So, and she thinks it's just bizarre. So in, we walked to this bakery cafe and then on, the, on top of the counter, there's this display of these um, big bread focaccia things. And they've got like lovely little bits of um, feta and tomato and onions sort of sewn into the top. You know, they've been baked in. 
Yeah, that's and a real eighties. That's a real eighties thing of focaccia as well. Don't you think? Like you don't, oh, yeah, you don't see them around. You don't see a lot, I guess. But this is a bakery you know, cafe. Some people co- used to call them focaccias. No one called them that. So anyway, <laughs> I grab, I, I see it, and I grab it, and yep. and, and I just I keep walking, and then I, I go to the counter, and George's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm just, just, I want to get this." And she goes, well, "Why'd you? You don't pick it up. You ask them to get them with tongs." I said, yeah. well, why, why is it out on display? Especially after you've been handling shit for the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wash your hands, mate? No, not really. <laughs> you, no, I didn't, I didn't need to ask that question. Yeah, so do you do that? Do you just do that? You just tell Anyway, yourself. so, and then this lady from the counter, I go, just one of these, and she does a, she does a double take. She's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, just this thing. She goes, <laughs> okay, and takes it out of my hands. And, and she says, do you want a bag for it? I was like, yes, please. And Georgie's like, what? Is, and she's like, she's like, what are you doing? And yeah, in I just thought in WA, I think it's if there's a thing on display, you just you, you take it. Like, would you, you want to heat it up? As a, a, a she asked that. Cheer. She asked that. Would you like me to heat it up? And I said, no, it's fine. I'll just take it home. But and I heat it up at home. There's a legal term which we use called invitation to treat. I didn't realize in this situation it wasn't in a display situation. They don't want you to take it. You have to then go. Oh, I'd quite like to have that, please. And then they get tongs and. And get it for you. It's, it seems to be a little bit counterintuitive to me. Why would you put it out, out on top of the glass display in front of you like that if they don't want you to take it? Mm-hmm. What about a car? You don't don't just take a car when it's on display. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's like that's like fifty, sixty. That's twenty to fifty grand. This is you know this is a, this is a, a six seven dollar for culture. Uh-huh. And and they can see me. What is the is the question that I, is the concern that I'm going to just take it and run? Is that why we don't do it? I think, well, maybe they don't want you just putting your hands all over all over them. Well, <laughs> That's why they use tongs as well. well maybe if you what? had your own tongs, maybe if you were like the guy from James Bond, you know, with tongs as hands, then it'd be fine. Like that'd yeah. be one time that'd be fine to have tong hands. Maybe yeah. you were tongan. Tongan, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, tong hands. Yeah, I could I could play tongan. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, <laughs> that was pretty. Uh, so she was pretty blown away by those two yeah, things me too, that, mate. that day. Me too. It's it's yeah. You're an animal sometimes. <laughs> Can I just say this is what? No wonder really animals <laughs> like you so much because you are an animal. You're <laughs> the alpha really animal. Her out. <laughs> you're the alpha. The I'm animals not an alpha. Get, get around. This is you. what really grossed her out. I put the bag with the fecal matter one day, and I just tied it up and left it on the on the front lamppost. I thought you were going to say you just tied it around your head. You just <laughs> the bag with all the shit. You just put it on your head. <laughs> and tied it up and stuck it on the front of the house. I feel and nothing. Then, <laughs> and then I came back the next day and, and grabbed it. And there's like condensation on the inside of the plastic bag from, I guess, the festering of the fecal matter in there. Like oh, a, disgusting. Yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> it was like a, I guess, like, you know, like a brewery, like, like, a, like a bacterial brewery or something like that. Like a yeah. yeasty type thing must have. The yeah, methane maybe. Yeah, just like a, like a bag of shit. Why don't you set it on fire? <laughs> so the, this is the other thing that, that she has. I can't find the poo bags anywhere in here. So I've had to. I've all the bags using... with poo that you've left around the house. <laughs> no. no, she didn't. You should be able to smell them soon, mate. I'm just coming and staying. I'll smell them. She, no, she she left. She didn't leave poo bags. I can't find them, and I, I haven't bothered emailing her. So I started using sandwich bags, like little sandwich bags, <laughs> focaccia bags. No, and and the, the, some of the sandwich bags only just fit around the shit. Like it's really touch and go. Like it's it's quite difficult to maneuver. But I have become more and more desensitized to it now. I, so uh, what, five I, loads or four loads every walk. Four loads. They they seem to chop and change how regularly they want to go, but Mm. it's a serious amount of fecal matter. It's it's a relatively 
consuming job. And that's the only negative real part about it. The other thing is obviously you, you have to be home by five or six-ish and you need to be there in the morning to let them out for morning toiletry duties. Um, okay, but- we don't need to know. We don't need to know that. There's, there's nothing more undignified, though, than a dog shitting, don't you think? Like, that's that's a really vulnerable moment. It looks look at you. Them. It looks embarrassed. Yeah, it definitely does. On, on its haunches. And I love that the picture of dog pooing, like, on the on the thing where you put your bags, is a quite an accurate description of, of a dog on its haunches pooing. Oh, it is? On the bags? I've never, yeah, I've never seen on one of the bags. No, the green thing where you're meant to dispose of the bags instead of just leaving it in your house. You know, those green bins no they just got they don't have any pictures on the green bins that we've got here okay that's a melbourne thing they're just bins focaccia is a sydney thing and uh bins for focaccia is a frio thing too frio had a lot of focaccias focaccias are just a town i would have thought they'd be heaps in Carlton. it's an 80s thing you don't sing them around no i don't see them around it's probably because they're not very healthy they're very stodgy you know Mm, it's very bready yeah it's very bready it's I, i don't think it's it's not very good for you that's for sure Gentlemen, George, full disclosure in the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Um, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, next week we've covered alphas, but I think we need to move on from men, and uh, mm. I think we need to look at some of uh, some of the things more of a more of a female tangent, ideally. Yes. yes. All right, we'll do that, uh, and we can watch the movie together. Um, yes. What were you thinking? Any any great? Would you have a favourite Australian actress, for example? Oh, I like oh I like Nicole. I like Tony Collette. You like everyone likes Tony Collette. She's definitely yeah. one of Nida's most famous exports in terms of people that left Nida uh, at the start of the first year when she got to Muriel's wedding and Muriel's wedding. And famously, John Clark at the time said, "You will not get anywhere," and he was proven absolutely incorrect. He was not on the mark with that one. Yeah, Tony, we'll, we'll work it out together. We'll work it. Yeah, Tony, you're talking about Tony Parker. No, no, Tony Collette. Uh, no, I, I, I did, but I think lately I didn't like that last. Oh, I hated that last PJ Hogan film that she did. Oh, did that you? was terrible. I that went was, to the premiere of that. Oh my god, it had fart jokes in it. She was doing was fart so jokes. Bad. Fart jokes are good, but <laughs> so bad. It's up there with wanking noises. It's just lowest common denominator stuff. It's good. Not good. It's not good. Actually, that was a comedy festival show I went to today with my nephew Lenny. I went to Mr. Snotbottom. It was so funny. It's kids' comedy. Oh, so many fart jokes. So really? funny. Oh, yeah. He's behind you. He, like, opened a banana on stage and a guy with a, ban- uh, a gorilla costume came on and stole a banana. He's <laughs> like, where's my banana? Everyone's like, ah. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. good. It's real good. Yeah. What was Big the fart film, which is based on farting? What was that film that we saw where the guy- Blazing used- Saddles. No, no. But the film with the- fart stuff. With the dead the body saddles. that he uses the farts to-, to, to- He starts talking to the dead body and, and using its farts. I didn't see that. That's the scissor. Is that the Daniel Radcliffe one? Yeah, the Radcliffe one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. Swiss oh, Army well, Man. I'm surprised. Oh, Swiss Army Man. I'm surprised you didn't see it, considering how much you love fart fart jokes. Blazing Saddles. That's a funny fart joke. No, but the, the, but uh, Swiss Army Man is basically one long fart joke. When you say I love, who doesn't love a fart joke? Well, you in particular. You like noise based t- comedy. Pull my know? finger. It's so funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's juvenile. <laughs> anyway, you should see. Well, why don't you watch Swiss Army Man? Get, come back okay. to me with your review of that. Oh no! But you have to watch it again. It is, as well. it is, it is, dudes. Though we should, we really need to, we need to do something about women. We'll work it out. We'll work it we out. We did what women want. We didn't really talk about what women want at all. No, well, we don't know. We've got no idea, do we? <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't. <laughs> I definitely haven't provided it. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely not. Right. Well, thanks very much for listening, guys. This has been uh, really great. Um, we, I think, we're getting into our groove. And next week, we don't even know what we're going to talk about. So please tune in. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's Full Disclosure. The Jono and Dorge Podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full Disclosure. In the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Jono and Dorge. Full Disclosure. No holds barred. 